Hello, ex-geos, non-geos, and listeners everywhere. Welcome back to the podcast, My First Season. Or if this is your first time, a big welcome. Greg and I have never worked together, nor have we ever met in person. Although my name did come up on a previous show in Jenna's interview, my first season was in Club Cancun in October 1987 as a sailing geo. Fun fact, I was called the mad pommy windsurfer in Australia because I windsurfed between Ellie Beach and Daydream Island without realizing there were sharks. And fun fact too, I was given permission to leave Martinique mid-season for my sister's wedding, which happened to coincide with Hurricane Hugo. I came back to the village with all my clothes and possessions in big black plastic bags. My name is Grant, and this is my first season. Grant, how are you, sir? I'm really good, Greg. How are you doing? Good. Finally glad uh, we can get together and uh, so happy you agreed to share your story with us today. Well, I'm ha- very happy to be here. I, I've heard a, I've heard about your name for a while now, so it's uh, nice to finally uh, meet you, even if it is online. <laughs> well, I am a legend in my own lunchtime, Greg, so <laughs> let's see how we go. <laughs> when your intro, you mentioned uh, Cancun, October 87, but I, I think you had a bit of life experience before that. So as you know, what we do here on my first season, I'd like you to take me back a bit before that. If I'm not mistaken, I'm detecting a bit of UK in your accent. Is that right? It is definitely a bit of UK. I was born and bred in the UK, uh, just outside London. And my first kind of, I, I guess it's resort, but not really. But I, I was teaching sailing for when I was 13 at a, an outbound camp. So kind of a residential camp for school kids. That was really my first season where I really got that team feeling. Um, there were about 20 of us instructors living in a caravan and a cottage. It was pretty cool. Well, hold up a minute. Who taught you how to sail? Well, I actually learned at the place I taught. Really? So, uh, yeah, we we had a school sailing club, which was like Tuesday evenings in England. As you can imagine, in the winter, it was freezing cold and dark by four o'clock. And in the summer, it was about, you know, 10 hours of sailing we used to do on a gravel pit uh, after school. Most of the winter, we were learning to tie knots. Now, I understand that after high school, you went to Australia and then 85, you moved to New Zealand to work at a resort prior to the America's Cup. Is this correct? Well, it's it's close. So I ended up moving to New Zealand, uh, and it was one of my friends from the sailing school in England. Uh, his uncle started a business there. So I went there, had a great time, and then they offered to move me to Australia, where I quit that job and ended up going to the West Coast, Perth, the year before the America's Cup. And I was working in a resort there called Rotnest Lodge Resort, actually as a bartender. And, and, and that was fun because I loved sailing and there was a lot of build up to the America's Cup of that year. That was 87 early. Uh, sorry, 86. Something's a little bit blurry. Excuse me. Sure. Do, do you recall who won the America's Cup that year? Was it uh, was it someone from was it an Aussie, Kiwi or American? Do you recall? It was America. Really? It was, okay. Uh, it was. A, <laughs> it could. You know something? I say that. I'm almost certain it was. It could have been New Zealand, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was a blur. It was a blur, I think. But. It was really fun. And I ended up, you know, during the off season, I went up to the Great Barrier Reef and talked sailing on a big 110 square foot rigger. Okay. Um, yeah. team. This is interesting because I, I went to the Barrier Reef when I worked in Lindemann. I didn't see anyone, you know, there was a lot of scuba diving. So, so did you, now did you live aboard this um, massive platform or did you just, you know, sh- uh, I guess take a boat in every day for, to work? No, we actually lived aboard. We, we went out for a week at a time with, with about 35, 40 tourists. It was called the Golden Plover. And my job was to teach windsurfing on the days that we were out and we dropped the boards off the side of the boat. Uh, and I was camp master at, at night, which generally was a matter of drinking excessively, unfortunately. It's probably why most of it is a blur. And essentially entertaining the, the customers and the clients. So it was real fun. Uh, we... I don't think there was a club med there at that time in 86, 87, but we sailed past Hamilton Island and Lindemann. And as I said, the mad Pommy windsurfer going out from Early Beach to Daydream Island. Yes, I, I wanted to talk to you about that because I, I went to Early Beach uh, several times, but I, I can't remember the distance between Early Beach and Daydream. Uh, roughly, how long would it take you, say, in a fast boat to reach, go from Early to Daydream? Do you remember? Well, a fast boat would probably be, you know, they have the high-speed boats, probably yep. be a, a, an hour and a half, two hours. Oh but boy. windsurfing was, you know, like four hours and, and the wind picks up a lot sometimes. The closer I've been to actually 
I think drowning was then because it got so windy and the people on the boat saw me and said it couldn't have been you because you never fall off. But it was about 35, 40 knot gusts. Okay, so you didn't have one moment where the wind died down on you then in those four hours? Not at all. It was a straight run and those times, no harnesses. I was just holding on for dear life most of the time. Oh, really? No no harness? Okay. No harness. Your your back yes. and arms, your back and arms must have been shot when you when you got there. No? Yeah. I guess <laughs> wow. that's why they call me the mad pommy windsurfer. That, yeah, that's <laughs> impressive. I have to admit. Uh, okay. Without a harness. Okay. No, no. We don't say impressive, we say stupid now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then you ran into some XGOs. Somehow you get a summer job in Canada. Uh where about in Canada yeah. did you land, first of all? Hey, no problem. Uh well. If I can back up one second, sure, let, me, sure. let me tear these people. So I went back to the resort during the America's Cup and I met Craig and Beverly and they had met at Club Med, you know, in the uh, Indian Ocean. He was Australian. She was South African. She was absolutely stunning. And they told me I could meet someone like her if I went to Club Med. So immediately it was in the back of my head. I'd never heard of it before. And then as coincidence, someone who used to work at Club Med came and started doing shows at the resort I was working at. So I was doing things like Blues Brothers and stuff like that. And it really put in the back of my mind that maybe Club Med was an interesting place for me to go to. So some of the guys I was working with at the resort opened a hotel in Bayfield, Ontario, which is on Lake Huron, and I ended up there for the summer. Okay. And there you, I guess, taught sailing and windsurfing? There I weighted tables oh really okay did something you know you you can't always get a job that pays the bills but i was i was doing a lot of stuff that summer you know fixing roofs just going sailing when we could and and basically mostly working in the hotel that they owned as it got towards the end of the summer i thought what am i going to do and niggling in the back of my mind was maybe club med so i don't know if you want to know what i did but i called club med in those days you couldn't really do much else couldn't look them up on the internet I called their New York office, spoke to Debbie, and she said, well, when can you come down? And I was there the next week. All right. Now, just a quick side question. Uh, you being from England, uh, I'd like to know, and you don't have to answer this, but which was your favorite Commonwealth country? Was it Australia, New Zealand, or Canada? <laughs> nope, no pressure. I'm not talking but you to a Canadian here. Hold on. You are, you are, uh, you are, but I love all three of those countries. So I was just curious. Like, oh, okay. also, also, I'd like to know that since Australia <laughs> in the old days was set up as a penal colony for uh, English prisoners, did you get teased a lot by the Aussies and Kiwis? Uh, Good naturedly, uh, I mean. Yeah, you told me there was no swearing, but uh, no, 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 no swearing. But I just needless say, to say, okay, yeah, needless to say, <laughs> okay. uh, there was a lot of swearing based on me being English. And okay. Australians not liking English people too much. Okay. Um, okay. Well, you know, I, I love, I did love Canada. Canada was a brilliant summer. Australia, I was there for you know a couple of years, so it, it was very special as well. But New Zealand, I think, was nice people, fantastic weather. I was mostly on the North Island. The sailing was was brilliant. I was out sailing on some big boats my boss had. And like like I said, I think the, the memories I made there were, pr- were pretty awesome. But th- there's so many great countries in the world. I hate to say that New Zealand is the best, but for Commonwealth countries, probably, yeah. Okay. All right. So you, you get an interview in New York City. Now, was this just a sit-down, one-on-one type of interview? Did they just ask for proof of your sailing prowess or anything like that? That was exactly right. I walked in. Debbie was there. And uh, we basically sat down and just talked about, you know, what Club Med was, because all I said was exactly the story I just told you that I met some ex-GOs and I met some some folks that knew about Club Med. It seemed really interesting. I was a fun guy and uh, I, I was looking for sunning and sailing. And but she did ask me what kind of qualifications I, I, I had. And I did give her my uh, RYA Yacht Club thingamajig, my instructors uh, and all that other stuff. So you know, uh, I think she said, wow, you're really qualified. And the next thing she said is, uh, we've got two open positions, one in Florida and one in Cancun, Mexico. What would you prefer? And uh, <laughs> at that point, you know, I, I I didn't know. I said, where's Cancun? And and probably, I probably said, where's Mexico? I mean. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you didn't know about Cancun. I knew nothing about anything, to be honest. I, I'd, I'd been in the States a few times. I'd hitchhiked around the States uh, in the early 80s. So I knew pretty much everything there, but I'd never been to Mexico. 
And and like I said, for me, I was in New York at that time. I knew a few people there I was staying with, but apart from that, I didn't know where I wanted to be and where I wanted to go. So obviously you chose Cancun. What made you decide Cancun over Sandpiper? Well, I'd, I'd been to Florida. Okay, got it. <laughs> and so, so I, I thought, you know, I'll try something different. All right. And prior to this, you had never been to a resort of Club Ed, correct? I'd never, never been there and only heard of it through those few contacts. So when you actually get to Cancun in October of 87, how, uh, was there any culture shock? Were you just wide-eyed the whole time that first week? Do you remember any of your first week? You know, I tell you, it's stuck in my mind the first day. You know, I'm this young English guy, youngish English guy, I should say. I had a much stronger Australian accent than an English accent, and everyone loved Australians. But I, I don't know if you remember Cancun. You walk, you get off the bus. So I took the bus from the airport. I uh, said so there was a, a, a geo feeling really special, not knowing what that was. But you walk into the theatre, which is first. You've got on the right-hand side, you've got this crystal clear water. You've got this cool little breeze coming across. And you walk in, and at the far side of the theatre, there was a whole group of very young, very good-looking people, very tanned, who were blowing up black and orange balloons. And I said to the person who welcomed me off the bus, I said, uh, where should I go? He said, well, go over there and say hi. So I went over there and everyone was doing a Halloween preparation. And I never really celebrated Halloween. So I said, what are you doing? And then immediately said, oh, where are you from, Australia? I go, well, I'm actually English, but I just came from Australia. And, and it was like being welcomed in to a warm family. Everyone was amazing. I just started blowing up balloons. I mean, my, my bags were beside me <laughs> and I was just blowing up balloons for the next two hours meeting people. It was, it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Did you meet the uh, chief of village uh, then? Uh, do you recall who it was? Jean-Pierre Rock was the chief of village in that first season. And, and I didn't meet him at that point, but there, there was a lot of people that I, I met that first day that became good friends. But, uh, you know, I, I think it was just the overall people that were blowing up balloons were not the chief of village and the chief of sports. It was mostly just sports geos that had time off and, and you know, they're trying to think of land sports, anyone else like that. So that was about it. So you'd already been, you know, very well traveled at this point. So in terms of the guests that were there, I guess nothing, there was no culture shock from guests since you'd already been pretty much well, everywhere I think, in, in Europe. Well, the and- biggest, yeah, the biggest culture shock was New Yorkers. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes. So you probably had the charter, correct, from JFK? <laughs> we had a few charters from JFK in Miami, and it, it, it was pretty crazy. I mean, when I say it was crazy, it was fun, but it was my first real experience of New Yorkers on holiday, New Jersey people on holiday. So th- that was certainly a culture shock and an experience. But some of the GOs were from th- those areas as well. So they kind of gave me the rundown what to do and what not to do. Yes, and what yeah, and what to expect. They usually had yes a New York geo that would translate or uh, or tell you or tell you yes um, why why we're like this and why we do this. <laughs> well, you're but, not you're not from New York, are you? <laughs> no, but my uh, my first season was with the New York Charter in Turks and Caicos, and like you, yes, I was. I realized I'd never you know dealt with New Yorkers before. But if one thing, they're a lot of fun. You just have to you know yeah like know how to approach and what to say and what not to say. <laughs> I love New Yorkers, though. Yes, I do. Get to the the beach. I assume you had all Hobie cats and catamarans. And uh, did you have to do a lot of rescues that season or no? Because, you know, a lot of people go to sailing and tell you they're expert. They did the Whitbread and around the world. And then they turn out they've never (laughs) sailed in their life. So how do you deal with with GMs that would did you have like tests like uh, because there's like three tests like verbally that you could ask someone if they they know if they're a sailor. So did you did you have any shock like a catamaran capsizing under a dock from someone that told you they're expert? Any stories like that? Well, uh, well, first off, we had lasers when I got there. Oh, really? Yeah, we didn't have any cats at, at all. And that was followed by uh, holders, holder 12s that brought in towards the end of the season. I think that was. No, but I was with Sean and Fifi, one of the two other Sony Joes. Fifi was the chef de voile. And uh, we didn't really have those kind of problems. Oh, of course, you always have GMs that say, yeah, I can sail and they can't. But we would test them out. And because I was quite experienced, you can tell within like three seconds whether someone can get in a boat and grab the tiller or get in the boat and just look around for what was next. 
So it, it was fairly easy. And we did rescues and we, we had the, uh, the rescue boat that we used to go out and get people, but it really wasn't that bad. And, and I introduced some really cool kind of ways of teaching that we could get people up and sailing within, within half an hour, you know? So and most of the time they got back. So that, that was fun. And, and like I said, it was my first experience with having people that were really just doing this because they didn't want to do anything else, not because they really loved to learn to sail. Uh, but we had brilliant regattas back in those days with jungle juice and, and uh, running to the beach to have a drink and then running back out to go around a boy. It, it was different times and it was really fun. Now, about your, uh, yes, yeah, sticking with your, your first season, is there anything that you, you remember off, like off, off the bat, like that happened where did you make any first season geo blunders or anything? Or did they, did, did New York tell you about the, the no days off thing when you did your interview? Uh, did you, or how, how did you get uh, acclimated to the seven, seven day work week and 12 hours yeah, a day? I, I didn't mind to be honest. And 12 hours was a short day. Really? Okay. That's true. That's true. You know, if you have a rehearsal, if you have yeah. rehearsal, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I, I didn't really, really mind too much. I, I was actually used to resort life and used to, you know, certainly staying up late and entertaining people where, where possible and, you know, sailing, a lot of it was fixing boats as well. So I used to get up early, go down to the sailing shack. I was staying in the casitas back then was by the sailing shack, you know, do, do a quick few repairs, go and have breakfast. Uh, and then really the biggest shock I had was, not having red to wear. <laughs> you know, New York has said it's red, black, white, blue. You should have something like that. And I couldn't find a red T-shirt in New York before I left because basically they said, when do you want to go? I said, I'm available now. So I left for Cancun the next day. So really it was about not having the right clothes to wear and having to spend a lot of money at the boutique at that time. Well, uh, wait, hold up a sec. Are you saying you, you had your interview <laughs> in New York and the next day you went to Cancun? Yeah. They said, I, when are you available? I said, I'm available now. Wow. I said, can you leave tomorrow? <laughs> you must, I think you're, you must be the only one I've ever heard of that, that, that situation. I've never heard any geo having an interview in the, in one country and then leaving immediately <laughs> for another well, country. Yeah, I think the thing was, I mean, look, I, I held on to my English passport for a long time. I wasn't American and I interviewed in the American zone. And so uh, I wasn't, oh, I was legally in the States, but I wasn't legal to work in the States. So I guess they just wanted to get rid of me as quick as possible. I don't know, but they had a, they had a real need. Uh, I think they had someone that had left before the end of the seasons. They needed an extra person and, and uh, that was a good fit. Are you saying you have dual citizenship now? No, I'm, I'm a proud American with a funny accent. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. Nice. <laughs> now, uh, after I don't know how many uh, months or weeks you're you're doing sailing, did you look around the resort to see what other people were doing? Did you ever want to change your your job at any point, or you just love being on the beach? I love being on the beach. You know, uh, we used to swap back and forth with the windsurfing because at that point it was in two different areas. One was by the Palapa. You know, I, I used to play tennis and uh, you know, some really great people there. And I used to go water skiing. I'd never really water ski before. I had a little bit, but not too much. And, you know, I wasn't a great volleyball player, but I used to try and play volleyball with some of the really good people there, but not really. I mean, I think, and I'm sorry to hark back to Jenna's uh, interview, you know, what really attracted me was doing like Olympics and stuff like that. That was the only thing I wanted to do that wanted to do land sports because that was brilliant, just taking on half the village to be on your side. So uh, that was the, the only thing I thought was more fun than sailing. Well, yes, and uh, Olympics and the and Eric Goldberg also in his his interview we talked about the Olympic day in the in the eighties mid eighties late late eighties was pretty crazy, right? I mean, you literally got the whole village divided into two, and and it got pretty uh, pretty competitive, right? It was very very competitive, and often down to the last event, you know, which generally was the beer drinking, kind of the beer sculling. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and you could do that back then. You know, it, it were different times, and and certainly there was more fun aspects to it from that standpoint. But it was just all about the people, and it was brilliant having uh, the whole village behind a couple of geos, you know, really rah rowing around the pool at lunchtime. It was a full day. It was tiring but it was absolutely brilliant. And how long roughly did you spend in Cancun there your first season? How many months was it? Six that, months? Yeah, that, that was about seven months because I got there a little bit early and left a little bit late. 
Now I see you. Uh, I don't know if you requested Waltuko. Now, did you request Waltuko as your second village because you you wanted to uh, relax a little, or because Cancun was a party resort, or was Waltuko a singles resort then as well? You know, it, it's tough to know because Waltuko had tried to open and then failed a little bit, and so it was the reopening. So it was positioned to me as, look, this is a reopening. It's really special, good geos only type stuff, and so I think they sold me on it. And I went there and it, it was a very cool village. It was relatively quiet at that point, but there definitely were uh, singles and, and some families, probably mostly singles. And that's where I met Eric Goldberg. Oh, did you? Oh, okay. Was that season? It, uh, yeah, that season. You said it like, oh, that season. Yeah. <laughs> well, it yeah. was that season. <laughs> well, no, I mean, the people that, uh, that love Watuko really love Watuko. I, I've, I've never been, but, you know, I do hear people say that's one of their favorite uh, seasons and uh, and resorts it's very good for the calves let's put it that way okay <laughs> this is I, a lot of stairs going up I, and I down do. and up and down. okay i do want to i do want to mention your your fun fact number two because i'm um i'm personally fascinated by this story and very jealous because i've i've been through six hurricanes in club med and hurricane hugo if i recall was massive so the fact that you got permission to leave martinique okay <laughs> to go to your sister's wedding knowing that you would you would not have to do any of the pre and post work now uh when you got back were were geos receptive towards you well <laughs> or is so that, <laughs> that, is that why your possessions as you say were in big black plastic bags <laughs> okay well i think i think it's so i i lived in Port, so you know uh, it's slightly below sea level at the yeah. bottom there oh yes I, okay <laughs> yeah and i shared that bottom with terry bar and roast beef there's a oh. whiskey jerry from the uk roast beef yeah i've heard of him yes yeah, he's a good, good guy. We had a few drinks since Club Med as well, so that, that's all good. <laughs> and then Terry as well, I've seen since Club Med. He lived uh, up north from me uh, in Maryland. And so, yeah, it was kind of funny because I'd asked a few months before because my sister really wanted me to be there. So it wasn't something that was movable. And I swapped it out instead of uh, having flights back to home, which home was UK, I had it back to home during the season. And at the end of the season, they just put me to back to New York. But it was, I mean, the village wasn't really destroyed. It didn't get direct hit, but there was water everywhere, water in the Tour de Port. And I was quite happy. Everything was in big plastic bags. That was probably the most organized my clothes had been in four months. But uh, yeah, it, it was just, everyone was, I think it brought people together. Because uh, if I recall, most of the GMs left because being a, a French colony or french extension they could get out fairly quickly but all the geos stuck around and and just had some fun i actually felt bad i missed it but uh yeah it was it was good it was good you felt bad you missed it is that what you said no don't don't feel well, bad grant please okay <laughs> that's, that's horrible <laughs> okay i, I, I won't still, die i, won't feel I, bad I, I still on. remember mine in 96 and i remember one geo saying who's gonna who are they gonna bring in to clean up all this and i'm like you idiot it's us that's gonna clean it up <laughs> and it lasted for weeks it was it was awful <laughs> Yeah, we did pick up a lot of palm fronds, but uh, there's also a lot of people working in, in that, you know, local G, G, GEs that are working in there. Or I see by your Club Med CV, I'm curious to ask you about Sestriere. Do you mind asking uh, me asking you some questions about Sestriere? Yeah, go ahead. I, I'm a, now, were you a geo bar there or were you a ski geo? I was geo bar. Okay, got it. And where did you learn how to bartend? Did you take a course? Uh, when I was 18, I uh, I worked in a pub. And then in Australia, I was working as a bartender on Rottnest Island and also in uh, the Victoria resorts. They have ski resorts. That ski, ski season is like three weeks. That's right. Um, so, That's I, right. yeah, I worked there as well, um, uh, you know, in the bar. So I, I'd actually built up quite a large repertoire of cocktails. So when I got there, I'm, I'm ready to, to make cocktails. And mostly it was... Cafe Strette, Bevavari, and making cappuccinos. <laughs> so, so, but it was, once again, it was an experience. I do like skiing. I don't like the cold too much. But, uh, uh, yeah, everyone was really cool, especially the French ski instructors. Yeah, they'd take me out on some of these big slopes because Sestria is like this uh, Olympic downhill or world champion downhill thing. And at, at the corners, they have big nets. 
And so for a little bit, they called me the spider because I always ended up in the nets. <laughs> the English spider. Yeah, because uh, I'd be going really fast and not be out of turn. So. But how did you get from like Martinique to Italy? Like, how did that come about? Did you follow the chief of villages there or you just made the requests to go to Sestria? How, did, how, does, how does that happen? Yeah, it's chief of village. So Dede Lontini, uh, who was probably of my top two favorite chef de village. Do you mind saying Dede that was his, his name again? Yeah, Dede Lontini. Okay. He was your top Fan, one. Fantastic, top, fantastic top two? guy. Yeah, the other one's Jose Aliel, because he'll probably listen to this and they'll kill me if I don't say his name. Well, yeah, um, Jose Aliel, I've, I've heard that name, but the other one, the first one you mentioned, no, I've never heard that name. It's kind of an unusual name too. Yeah, Dede is one of the dinosaurs. He unfortunately passed a couple of years ago, but I, I saw him in Miami about five years ago. Uh, we had we had drinks and uh, saw him a couple of years before that as well. Brilliant, fantastic, amazingly funny guy. That um, I don't know if I can say this, but would often drop his pants um, just on a whim as a joke, um, generally backstage before a show and just said, calm down, everyone. Uh, we've got a show to do. Okay, um, but this was a French this, accent. Which this I was do. this was the eighties, though, right? So the eighties was this was definitely was crazy time. <laughs> the eighties. There, there were crazy times, and and we used to have a lot of fun with Inspector Clouseau. I would say, yeah, the parallel bars. It was my specialty in college, you know. And he he used to make fun of that a lot. Um, but anyway, yeah, he said to me, "Would you like to come with me?" And I said, "Sure, hundred percent." I actually did four seasons with him. But uh, he, he was a brilliant chef de village. And so you know, very, very solely missed, but great guy. Did you follow him to Corfu Ipsos? Because I see you went to that summer village after a winter season in Sestriere. Now, uh, Corfu, what, what did you do in Corfu? There, I, I was the chef de voile. Um, okay. Uh, this is a, uh, um, is this one of these hut villages? It's a hut village. Oh, and, boy. Uh, I, I was, well, you know, funny. Funny thing is, there's a few huts that have electricity, and one of them that does is the chief of sailing. <laughs> okay. So I, I had my own hut. Yeah, I had my own hut, and I had electricity. No one else did, really. Now, now can you um, recall? Amazing village. Yeah. Do you, well. do you, do you recall, like, uh, okay, so I'm talking about huts because I've heard a lot of funny stories from hut villages. So do you recall, like, total number of GM and GO huts? Was it something like 600 or more? There's a little bit more. It was one of the original uh, villages, and someone's going to correct me because, like I said, most of this is a blur. I think it was 800 huts, and I think it was about 11 to 1,200 GMs. Now, I've, it's I've, a big village. I, I've heard from some GOs and actually a, a chief of village he, when he worked there, he said that you know you would uh, you would you know have a night out a party you would you know you'd have a few drinks and it got so bad that they couldn't find their own hut because they all looked the same some geos would just sleep like <laughs> like off off the path and I, now is this true have you ever seen this happen because uh, it's oh, a, a it's lot a, it's understandable like that late at night and you know i mean <laughs> it's a hut it's, it's hard <laughs> after i think that's probably the first 3 weeks after that you kind of know which way to stumble Okay. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I was directly behind the restaurant up a little hill. And, and you know, the reason is that the, the boats were moored just the other side of that hill. So you just walk over there to go get your safety boat in the morning. Okay. Uh, so that's why, the, the, and I don't know why I had electricity, probably because it was near the, the restaurant. But it, it's amazing village, outdoor. Everything's outdoors. The theater's outdoors. The restaurant's outdoors. The huts have holes in. So if it rains, it's like being outdoors. Um, yeah, the, the showers and, and rest they're all outdoors. Really fa fantastic village. The only problem was for sailing. There's no real wind in the summer. So uh, you're mostly taking people out, ferrying them back out to the boats that are just floating out there and bringing people back. That was most of the job during those quiet times. And then the wind would pick up late, later in the afternoon. Of the resorts we mentioned that you worked at, just to name a few, Cancun, Martinique, Sestriere, Corfu. You, oh, let's take a funny story break. Do you have any funny stories from either of these, uh, these seasons? I think they're all funny, but they're much more funny to me than your listeners, probably. <laughs> um, okay. You know, I, I mean, most, most of the time, it, it is to do with doing really stupid things that we shouldn't have done. You know, the first phone party, 
in, in Cancun was a big mess, basically. No one realized how slippery the floor got. And the answer to that question is very slippery. Yes. <laughs> and and I think taking those, because back in those days, there was there was very little downtown in Cancun. So, you know, we used to go out and, and be in the middle of a barrio and not really know where we're going and go to Christine's, which was a disco there and, and senior frogs jumping out the window with GMs. So most of the funny stories there. You know, I probably can't repeat, but most of the people that know me probably know those stories. Any appropriate ones? <laughs> you must have you must have one appropriate run from the eighties, right? <laughs> not, um, no, no, yeah, not, not. <laughs> okay. Well, I tell I tell a funny story in in Corfu. So a few of my English mates that I grew up with and went to school with came down to be au pair for a few weeks. They, they'd been to some of the other villages when they like uh, they came down to Paradise Island in the Bahamas. And they came to Sestria and then they came to Corfu. And a good friend of mine, he was in the futures market, which is, you know, his high finance, his wealthy and everything else. They made him a picnic geo. And so everyone used to see the boat going out in the morning and everyone kind of head down, hung over from the night before. And coming back, he would be standing on the bow of the boat, yelling, screaming, and everyone be yelling, screaming. And he didn't know the crazy signs. He'd be up on stage at the end of the week. And everyone that knew him from the picnics, who had a brilliant time and uh, everyone had a brilliant time would be yelling his name. And the chief of village, you know, Dayday said to me, can we hire him? I said, no, he's got a much better job, mate. He earns more than 700 bucks a month. And uh, so, so that was kind of funny. <laughs> and then my other friend who came always and has never forgiven me because he was put on the water ski team and he had to wear those Lycra tights on the dock. <laughs> and he's never forgiven me for having to wear Lycra tights because we used to wear them all the time in shows and stuff. That's the first time an English East Ender has had to wear tights during the day. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it must have been pretty warm, right? I'm guessing in that hot sun. <laughs> it, definitely embarrassing. <laughs> All right. I see that. Again, looking at your CV, we both share something in common. You worked at Coral Beach in Israel, correct? That was just an au pair. I, uh, au pair. And it was really more en passage. I, well, I passed through and did like four days there just helping out on the beach. So not really. What were you doing in the, uh, in the Mideast, if I might ask? I was actually visiting XGOs. Oh, really? So, uh, yeah, in Elat, uh, Guy and Ilan Zwerin lived down there. And so I'd gone there to visit them. And then we went down south a little bit back in the day, just given back the Negev. And I went down to uh, the windsurfing place down there. And uh, Guy, uh, well, Ilan came down there with us. He's a brilliant windsurfer. And we just hung out. It was really, it, I'm, I'm going to say Duba, Durba. I can't remember the name of the place, but it's something that sounds quite Egyptian. It was actually well, into Egypt. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, that's the thing. The beauty of uh, and Coral Beach is also the best windsurfing spot I had because you have the uh, right where the club is and on the beach directly in front of you, you have Jordan. And then to your left, you have uh, you, you have Egypt. Right. So um, and great. There's a great wind, too, that, that is there. But but this was this would have been early 90s that you were in. Israel? Would, have been, would have been early 90s. Yeah, I think yeah. Miriam was the chef de village. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, do you recall? Uh, that um because israel is one of the most unique countries i've ever been the amount of security there is there's no security like it anywhere world so, so did you have any trouble or did you get questioned that the um, when you landed anything anything of that nature happened or was it just no problem here's my passport i got in smooth sailing well i had been to israel before actually in 75 oh really <laughs> so old i am really as, as okay. a young kid yeah so i'm, I'm jewish by birth and so we had um, some Israelis come visit us in England, and I fell in love, of course, with a beautiful Israeli girl. So I went to uh, to uh, meet her. Ah, uh, yes. Now, did <laughs> yeah. you do? Did, did you do your? Uh, is it called Elia? Elia? Yes. Okay. Oh no, I didn't. I didn't actually do Elia. I did go work on a uh, a kibbutz for oh, two and a half weeks. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, and what kind? Because I, I found when I worked there that some kibbutzes have a specialty one is sailing windsurfing so do you recall what your what your kibbutz was uh, famous for or what they yeah we were, we were bananas we were bananas you're kidding really nah, so oh, it was wow. up in the uh golden heights and uh, so i spent the day i don't know if you ever pick bananas you put your shoulder into it and someone no. lops off it and then you carry the bunch away it's not easy work but it was fun i mean 
most well, of my life is fun. Well, no, I do recall being fascinated because the Israeli geos would, you know, patiently answer my questions about because I didn't understand what a kibbutz was. So you do not. So you're basically au pair, correct? Yes. And yes, your room and board you. is provided for you. That is also correct. And, um, and when you're so it's kind of like Club Med. <laughs> but when your job Without is done, say at uh, five or six times. or this or, or sundown, your job's at a sundown. What do you do? You have to do anything else, or is your evening your evening? You don't do anything else, but because it is really a community, you just hang around and and chat with people. So, like I said, in that way, it's probably quite club medish. But uh, to get back to your original question, I, I didn't have any problem. You know, they have guards everywhere. So you couldn't just walk in. So when I first got there, I had to say I was a geo and someone came out to meet me and it wasn't an official, uh, you know, OPA. I was just turning up and, and seeing what I could do. And, and really it was just helping out the, the sailing team. And as you know, that beach is really rocky and you have to yes. go across the main road to get there. And, and so I, I didn't realize how, how little fun that was. You know, I didn't have any proper shoes, uh, you know, water shoes and stuff. So, it, oh boy. it was an, a really beautiful village. Yeah, definitely not my favorite experience. <laughs> that, uh, you know, that was my, so Coral Beach was my last season in 2005. So I'd have done, I did about 10 years on the beach. That sand, I still remember, was the hottest sand I've ever, and I thought my feet were like leather at that point. I couldn't even stand more than two seconds on that sun at midday. And I don't know if you remember that, but yes, you're right about the rocks. It, people were getting cut left, right, and center from sharp rocks or jagged coral. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a very unforgiving beach, I, I thought. <laughs> Yeah, very unforgiving. Okay. <laughs> in between Corfu and Coral Beach, I see you worked at Guadeloupe in the West Indies. So compared to uh, Martinique, do you have a favorite out of the West Indies villages? I definitely preferred Martinique, and that was 100% the team and the chef de village. The, um, you know, Eleuthera, Eleuthera, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> you see, you see, it's all a blur. It's all a blur. Well, you, well, you did. You um, have. You have worked a, a bit at Eleuthera as well. I see. I did. A, I did okay. a little bit at Eleuthera. That was really <laughs> on passage. No, so I, I really didn't like. That was my last real season. And I say my last season before I I quit. Yes. I, I, it wasn't my favorite village, probably because of the chef de village. But yeah, once again, it, uh, uh, that village. When you talked originally about, you know, did I have experiences with people overturning catamarans and stuff? There, I spent the first three and a half weeks fixing boats because when I got there, there was like two boats working and uh, the safety boat was on the beach because that wasn't working. And so I spent the first three and a half weeks when everyone was you know, kind of keying up for the shows, uh, fixing boats for at least 15, 16 hours a day until we got the fleet back. So um, Lulu, I don't know if you remember, who was kind oh, of in charge oh, of yeah. boat repair. Sure. Um, yeah, he, he came and visited a couple of times, couldn't believe the before and after, and, and also couldn't believe how much resin I had ordered, and he wanted to find out why. <laughs> so that was probably my least favorite village. Well, now, now the repairs were, was this because GMs were, you know, fudging their experience level? Was that, was that what you, why they were getting repaired? Fudging their experience level, and there's a reef. Okay. <laughs> there's a reef fairly close uh, there. It, it always... Uh, I always marveled that, like, why you would want to take a boat out on the open water that could probably kill you. Like, I, I used to joke with GMs, my, my job is, like, to prevent you from killing yourself. That's my whole job this week. And, you know, they would laugh. But in a way, it's kind of true, because I never understood why you would say you were an expert at something when you're not, and then proceed to prove, prove. you know, we, we might have had our suspicions, but I'm just saying, you know, you can get really hurt by taking out, say, a Hobie 12 and not knowing what you're doing, right? I mean, you probably... <laughs> have your share of horror stories about people that were, uh, didn't know how to sail, but said they did. Right. <laughs> well, th th there's a couple of stories. One of them might be my funny story, but yeah, the reef in Guadeloupe was, was terrible for any number of reasons and people would capsize and there's lots of sea urchins there. So between saving their feet and saving the boat, you know, we'd go there. And that's the reason the safety boat was also kind of, kind of ruined because it used to go fairly close to the reef, smack against the reef to rescue people. I, I guess my funny story, when I went to Eleuthera, was, of course, I was a sighting geo over in Paradise Island. I went over to Luthra just to visit. So, you know, took a few days off to go over there. And uh, I went sailing and I, I took out their laser and I hit the dock there. Here I was saying how wonderful of a sailor I was. And I went out there with a, a 
a geo on the front of the on the bow of the boat end up hitting the dock she jumped <laughs> jumped in the water before we smacked but that was kind of embarrassing i said look honestly i do know how to sail i am a geo and uh <laughs> yeah that was that was kind of silly but now we never we never really had anyone really badly injured except for paradise island when you know someone capsized the boat the boat came up and hit him in the face and that that was that's a, probably a story for another time. I don't want to make people feel yeah. a bit wheezy, but uh, <laughs> it, it was definitely not fun. But yeah, look, most people, they have bravado and they don't think the wind is as strong as it is or offshore. And so off they go and literally off they go. <laughs> and that's why we have safety boats at a club mid. Well, I, w- I would I would see this happen even, you know, I didn't always teach sailing, but the few seasons I did, I was always, you know, so I came up with my own questions. And even the first question when I'd ask them, what's the difference between a tack and a jibe? And they would say there is no difference. Then, you know, of course, red flags go up when you when they when you ask someone that. But this and this is probably the most basic sailing question there is. Right. I mean, well, that, I, 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 I would still give them two more. I would give them three chances. OK. <laughs> Yeah, now I would say, what's the most important command in sailing? And they'd come up with like ready about or stuff like that. And I say, no, it's duck. And just just remember that when I'm shouting duck, uh, that means you're probably in the middle of a jibe or something. Look, I simplified it a lot during the lessons that we gave. It was just push, duck, wait, change, straighten up. Yes. That's how I taught people to sell. And it worked really well. We had a setup there where we were teaching. I don't know what it was like with you. We were teaching 30 people a lesson uh, yes. four times a day at Cancun. Yes. It's amazing. I used to brag uh, I could teach someone to sail in 10 minutes because only because we had that much volume, you know, like you had to do it quick. So that was my 10-minute uh, 10 10 minute lesson. You had to. <laughs> yeah. You had to. Yeah. And, and when, in, when in doubt, tip the boat over, we'll come get you. <laughs> yeah. So not counting your passage of villages. So are you saying you worked from 87 to 92, roughly? 87 to 92 and and then i got a phone call (laughs) a phone call what do you mean yeah from oreo stern okay so oreo called me up i was living in los angeles with eric goldberg and uh, i got a call from now now, wait now living with goldberg are you saying you were roommates we were roommates. Wow. He must have some, some stories uh, there that I, I, we can't repeat here, but okay, please go on. Oreo Stern calls you. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, Hey, Hey brother, you know, come work with me. And I said, Look, I, I've left the club. I'm, I'm in Los Angeles. He goes, I'll make it worth your while. He goes, what do you want? And I said, well, where, where are you? Where are you going to be he said Cancun I said well you don't have to be you have to make me quite as many offers I'll I'll go there you know I was chef de voile I said I'd like to do a stage for cheaper sports he said fine no problem then uh, I said I wanted a thousand I think it was 1100 bucks a month he said no problem wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute you actually could negotiate your salary back then well I don't know but it doesn't hurt to ask I mean I (laughs) I got it i got it so you i mean did? i guess he has some some pull. i did yeah and uh i said i wanted a, a place on the beach because i knew there were some geo rooms uh on the beach by by the main bar and so i, I got all that and so uh it, it was a, a another fantastic season with aria but he was my been, chief of sports before yeah that would have been the night so cancun for your third time in 93 94 Yes. Okay. So your your last season it was coincided with my first season, '94. So that's probably why we never met. <laughs> Pro- probably that's a pretty good reason. Yeah. And, I, I and I've it, never yeah, been you, back. Yeah, and you never, and you've actually never worked at Turks and Caicos, which I find surprising because I thought for sure they would have sent you there at one point. Or... Yeah, I, I think I was the kind of person they wanted to liven up villages, not necessarily to be part of a live village. Okay, got it. <laughs> so I think that might be it. And I am going to Turks and Caicos in three weeks. Oh, my you first are. time back. My okay. first time. I'm now, first, first time back. So you you visited the resort at least, right? Before? No, never. Oh, never. Okay. Wow. You're going to love it. Make sure you. Uh, well, you've hope. talked so highly again. Yeah. Oh, it's a great, great, uh, great village. I hope you see Jojo when you're there. Okay. <laughs> That, that is one of the plans. I'm supposed to impress the wife by knowing there's a dolphin. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now from 87, 94, did you run across any celebrities, actors, singers, athletes, any memorable celebrity encounters that you recall? So the one in Cancun that everyone 
seemed to me it was poorly sure. So I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yes. Yeah. So he was around quite a few times and hanging out with the, the party geos. And I'm absolutely positive there was other famous people that came came down, but I have no rec- recollection of who they were or how famous they were. Because for me, I just loved people. So for me, any G- GM was like a a celebrity. I hate to say that as being cliche, but I didn't really care whether whether you were a billionaire or or you were you were a pauper. For me, the GMs were really the key thing. So I didn't hang out with uh, any celebrities that were there, but I'm sure we had lots of footballers. I'm sure we had. And by footballers, I mean American footballers. I'm sure we had a lot of stars, but I never, I never really hung out with them or saw them. Well, also in you know mid '80s, late '80s, when you were working, obviously there was no no internet to speak of. Uh, there were no, no newspapers, TVs, so you know it's you would have a hard time knowing which which this which is this famous American actor or whatever, right? I'm... Yeah, and and I wasn't American, so I really didn't know <laughs> I really know much American actors. Anyway, yep. uh, apart from what we saw on TV in the UK. But I mean, you were talking about internet. No, we had phone booths that were about $40, $40 a minute, if I recall, when I'd call yeah. my parents. It was ridiculous. Yeah, especially like on Christmas Day. I remember having to call on Christmas Day and you know, waiting in line. And then, yes, having to talk fast because things cost a lot of money. <laughs> it did. Now, I don't know if people know, because we've talked about the internet, but I, you, I did listen, well, I listened to at least 25 minutes of, of the podcast that you were on. Now, I don't know if people know, uh, I've, listening to you, I think you're kind of a, a genius and really, really, really smart. Am, am, am I right about this? Because that was so well, well over my head, what you were talking about. Are you able to say what it is you do? Or do you, do you mind saying that? Or like, sure. I, I, I'm more interested in how you got uh, into into this was it before clubman or after clubman i'm i'm trying i'm trying hard to figure this out <laughs> no uh it's actually a really interesting question so so my mum thinks i work for google but i don't i actually work against google or you could say kind of with google my main focus is search engine optimization and driving traffic and visibility for websites so I, i've been doing that now for 20 something years you know, so if you have a website and you want to show up in Google, that's what I do. I've been lucky enough, I would say, because I have an accent, so I sound really smart. And thank you, Greg, for that. <laughs> um, to speak at a lot of conferences around the world, that's how I get a lot of my traveling in these days. So, you know, uh, apart from the pandemic, you know, being Thailand and Austria and the UK and, and uh, France and a few other places where I speak at conferences. And, and like you said, I do a few podcasts it's really about generating traffic organically through search engine optimization. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty well known in the industry. Yeah. I, but how, but I, I'm did, on a, I'm on a, I'm on a playing card. <laughs> but, but how did you like, obviously in the eighties, there was, you know, nobody knew about the internet nor search engines, but so at what point, so was it when you left that you started getting interested in, in the search yeah. engines? So my, my first job out of school in 1980 was as a computer programmer. So I'd, I'd picked ah. that up. Yeah, I picked that up during the summer, just summer. There was a computer shop opened in, in my town in England, and I just hung out there for the summer and kind of sucked in everything I could and then took a job as computer programmer. Never really touched the computer until Los Angeles, actually, when I say touch a Mac, Macintosh computer, until Eric Goldberg had a Mac. And I really got into the Mac side of it. And the job I got in 94 was because of an XGO, Andy Barkey, if you're out there, thank you, working in a uh, an agency that was doing big events. And I kind of picked up computers back then. And when we had a customer, it was GE, that wanted to build a website. I kind of helped because I had coding skills. Uh, it was an intranet. And then the city of Santa Monica wanted the website to show up in search engines. So I learned everything I could about it. And the rest, as they say, is history. So it's all thanks to Geo Connections that I am where I am today. But for a large, for the most part, you were self-taught for coding? Coding was self-taught, yeah. yeah. If wow. I sound smart, it's because I don't know everything, but I, I'm really smart what I do know. Yeah, no, no. I, I would say you're very, very, very smart. <laughs> 
Shucks. That might be gosh. If I've forgotten to ask you anything about your Club Med experience, like, I don't want to let you go unless I know we covered a lot because you worked at so many places, but I, uh, do, you know, you're uh, one of these Club Med legends. So I don't want to let you go unless um, there's something you wanted to say about Club Med. I mean, I'm, I don't, you've, you've worked at so many villages. I'm almost afraid to ask you if you had a favorite to, you know, to not, you know, hurt someone else's feelings. Like I, I use the word magical, but you've worked at so many great villages at such a great time. I think everyone wishes they could have worked at Clement in the eighties, but can you narrow it down to one that was your favorite or no, it's just too, there's just too many good ones that you had. Well, I, I can safely say Cancun was amazing. Now Cancun, the magic started, Cancun first season. Well, Cancun first season was the magic. Okay. Cancun family was Jenna hammer. All those guys. <laughs> Their dream team, one could say. Yes, so this would have been um, the 90-91 season. Yep. Uh, we, we were there. Was uh, was that where uh, Handel was first season? LP was there that season? Was that it? Or No, that's actually oh. after that. Oh, after, so, okay. Yeah, the ninety ninety one was when we stayed for a year. Okay. And and it was phenomenal. Yeah, of course, uh, every GO meets the love of their life at least once uh, at a club med. So, uh uh, you know, it was an amazing season for everything. And it was an amazing team, uh, amazing shows. I mean, we had Reed and, and Patty and all those guys, you know, putting shows together. The, the sports team was amazing. You know, Oreo was the chief, the chief of sports. Brilliant scuba team, just fantastic people. So when you talk about magical, walking into Club Med for the first time was magic. The real experience of magic was that season with Jose Alio. Amazing. Did you run into uh, Hansel Moss at any of these times in Cancun? Or so that was one of the crossovers. Yeah. Okay. I, I never, I never worked for him. I'm on, I'm on the same <laughs> WhatsApp group with oh, everyone the, there because I know official, most of the people. Uh, official XGO Facebook group. Uh, that one. Uh, the official XGO Cancun 91. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I didn't know there was a, okay. So there's a subsection there. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, not Facebook. So WhatsApp, it's a WhatsApp. Oh, they okay. get together on Saturday. Yeah. Oh, really? Um, so you still connect with uh, XGOs uh, from time to time? Everywhere I travel, I try and meet up with XGOs, whether it's like we said, roast beef in London. I, I ping him every now and then I'm there. Uh, Austin, hang out with Israel and Sandra. San Diego, you've had Eric Eaton on. I see him. I just saw Eric uh, last year when I was in Colorado. I mean, th these are family. And uh, if if the family stopped when I left Club Med, I, I wouldn't have the job and the life I have now. So they're still my family. They always will be. It, it was a brilliant time of my life. And I said, I'm looking forward to going back, not to relive those glory days when we were kings, but just to relive a little bit, bit of that experience. Very well put. Very well put. Now, uh, you, yeah, you 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 mentioned roast beef again. What probably one of the best all time club at nicknames. So, do did you have a nickname? Like, do uh, people know you as Grant, or did they know you by another name in Clement? I think most people knew me as Grant Sailing. Okay, but okay. Uh, so you did not get a nickname. No, the first season, uh, I had my badge. I said not Australian because <laughs> everyone thought I was Australian, <laughs> okay. and it was a it was a great time to be not Australian because. Every, you know that was crocodile dundee time <laughs> yeah well that's funny because on my my first season i had a badge that said i'm not jj because people were convinced that i looked like the land sports uh geo jj the great jj which i guess i could see the resemblance but yes i had to have that on my badge i'm not jj <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I i i love aussies i mean when i that year in lindemann was great for me i love aussies and kiwis and i yeah I, you know i even thought australians are nicer than canadians and that's a huge compliment i think <laughs> My experience. I think I they mean. love, yeah, they love Canadians. <laughs> yeah, they don't like English people too much. I would, <laughs> but once they get to know you, <laughs> well, yeah, once they get to know me and I stop calling them prisoners, it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Now, uh, do you have time for one more question? I have as much time as you want. What's okay. up? Uh, so, if there's a uh, prospective geo or someone thinking about applying to Clubbed, do you recommend they try it? So uh, I'll tell you the other story is when I was in Los Angeles for a long time, yes. I was a field recruiter for Club Med. And so for people that don't know what that is, 
you essentially take a likely candidate out for lunch. So Club Med sends you a, a link to, uh, you know, to email someone. You go out to lunch with them and you tell them about the good, the bad and the ugly of Club Med and you assess them to see if they'll be a good fit. This was outside of the, uh, the kind of group meetups that they used to do for recruiting. And so I probably placed 50 to 60 GOs in Club Med. And the main thing I used to say to them, it is fun work. And both those words are equally important. It is fun. It is a lot of work. These were the days of seven days a week. I said, but if you don't work, you won't have fun. And if you don't have fun, the work doesn't work. And I think that's, that's the key thing. I would always recommend that people try it. And I think it should be mandatory for people to have a year off after school because it's the best life lesson. It gives you an understanding of that we're all pretty much the same under, under the outside and that good people are good no matter what and bad people are bad no matter what. But Club Med gave me a brilliant experience. And I think it'll give any young person a brilliant experience too. Of these uh, 50 or so geos that you personally interviewed, recruited, did you follow any of their careers? Like, do you know if any of them made a chief of service or chief of village? I did not. Okay. Call me a bad field recruiter. Uh, no, no, I no. I was know. just curious. <laughs> what, what year were you recruiting? Ish? It would have been between 92 and 94 um, okay. when I was in LA the first time. And then afterwards as well, uh, 94 to probably in the early 2000s. Because, yeah, because I, I mean... That's how, yeah, I, I, got, I earn vacation dollars. That's why I'm going to Turquoise. Okay. Still that. <laughs> well, I hope you have a great time there. That's for sure. Thank you. Sailing. I heard they're sailing. Yes. <laughs> yes. So winter will just be ending when you get there, but you'll probably get some good wind. Do you still windsurf? I, I don't windsurf as much. I, no. I, I live in Virginia. I, I live close to the beach. I have a Hobie cat on the beach and a laser that sits outside my house right now, but uh, I still get out sailing quite a lot in the summer and I, and downtown Norfolk has a sailing program. I volunteer at, So it's fun. I've heard that it's really the, the small boats that make you a sailor. So is it true that if you're, uh, you know, if pretty good at laser uh, rather than Hobie, that you're an actual, a true sailor? Is that, is this correct? Or am I way off base? No, I think you're right. On my tombstone, it will probably say he lived a great life. He loved when the wind was blowing. And he won the Chesapeake Bay sailing uh, laser. Well, maybe it won't say that because I forgot what it would say. But <laughs> oh, oh, you I did. won. Yeah, I won the Chesapeake laser laser race. Um, there's a long distance race. It's about 12 miles, I think. And I beat out everyone else to win the laser uh, competitions. So How far behind it, was the second, it's the second boat? Passion. Not that far, actually. Okay. The, the, guy that, the guy that won... The guy that was second, sorry, is the Guinness Book of Records world holder for the longest laser sailing. He did like three days or something without stopping. Three days in a laser? Yes. Oh, my God. You <laughs> barely lie down in a laser. Okay, that's that's impressive. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he was very angry at me for beating him because he had, bought, he had lent me the boat. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Well, congrats. Wow. That's pretty impressive. All right. Before I let you go, am I, am I forgetting to ask you anything? You know, you've been so generous with your time and sharing your story with us, but I'd hate to let you go if I forgot or if you wanted to say something uh, to someone out there or whatever, you know, this is your, your moment. So, or did we, or or did we cover most of it? (laughs) Well, I would just say hello to Eric, Eric, (laughs) big nose. You you were uh, at my second village. You were a friend at many villages after that because we did work together. You were my roomie and you were my co-host of the meetup in Los Angeles that we held for almost a year, every Tuesday night at Q's, where we welcomed all the LAGOs to come out for $2 burgers and beers and games of pool. And those were brilliant times when we got all the LA XGOs together and just swapped stories. And, and you've brought back a lot of that passion and memories, Greg. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you for uh, for coming on. Uh, really appreciate it, Grant. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Absolutely. Hi to everyone out there. Uh, look me up. Let's have a beer. Yes, 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 yes. All right, everyone. That was uh, Grant Simmons. I hope you really enjoyed this interview like I did. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. Say bye, Grant. Bye.